Hello and welcome to another installment of THC Tutors Tent Talks. Today I'm running a bit different. I'm just doing a little solo one, but I promise if you stay around till the end, I will offer some tremendous value in today's little episode. So, I mean, my grow, we're going to start with that. And then right after that, I'm going to get into seven tips that I really think are going to help some beginners out there and some more advanced people in their grow method. I was going to release this as a video on uh, the THC Tutors YouTube, and I might still do that uh, depending on how much you guys like these seven tips. Now, the reason really that I want to go through these seven tips is I see a lot of beginners kind of looking at the wrong things. I think too many beginners are uh, nutrient driven, as I say, uh, where there's a lot of other things that you should be looking into. I've made that mistake, of course, of being very, very nutrient driven per se when I started growing and I wasn't looking at things like the environment, like maybe the light that I'm growing with, other things like that. So like I said, I think if you guys stick to the end, then you are going to get some tremendous value in today's tent talk. So let's start it out real quick with how my tents are going. How's that outdoor going? The outdoor is just chugging along. I saw a, a couple of little flower sites popping out. I think they're just starting flower right now. They're getting starting really stretching and getting really nice and big. I mean, they're looking amazing. The ones that are still growing have all been just health. And the ones that aren't growing anymore, the ones that unfortunately died are not. Now, speaking about death, I got to talk about my clones real quick. People that know, people have been following the Instagram, following along, they'll see, you know, things aren't very healthy in Noah's clone tent. I actually got a majority, 90% of my clones died this time. I used a product. We went over this in the last tent talk. If you guys have any more interest to hear about it, but basically used a product. And I mean, I got four that rooted really well. And I actually cut one of those ones up to see what happened. Now, for the people that are interested in my opinion and the reason that it happened is I actually plugged everything too deep. Everything wanted to callus up really high next to the top. Uh, I don't know why that is, but I think that more and more I see it not going not too deep, maybe about a half an inch to a three quarter inch in, but definitely not all the way through. Like I was trying to do some one guy on Instagram kind of cuts the callus at the bottom and actually sticks it out the bottom and it works really well for them. Did not work for me. I think I did it wrong. Now, guys, let's get into what everybody's been listening for. And that's going to be those seven tips that I'm going to go through. So let's start it out with tip number one, right? The one thing I don't see a lot of people doing and something that, you know, I failed at doing for so long was keeping a journal. Basically, keeping a journal can help a lot with the data of your growth cycles, right? Like for a beginner, you guys understand that when you're growing, you're not going to be able to track all that in your head. You think, oh, I'm going to know all this stuff. No, like one thing that has really helped me is, is tracking plant size with different light intensity, things like that. Uh, just noting those two things. And it does not have to be on a day-to-day -day basis. It can definitely be on a week-to-week -week basis with most things, especially if you're starting with living soil for for the reason of you might only be in the tent once a week. And that is the goal of your grow. Uh, different strokes for different folks. My recommendation is to always use a notebook. I think I find that writing things down, I remember them easier. But there are a lot of amazing apps out there where you can take pictures, you can do things like that. One of the places that I'm going to shout out right now is Dr. MJ Coco's uh, website. I think it's CocoForCannabis.com. He does an amazing blog where people can post their own stuff and it's your own grow journal and you, you can share with other people. And it's a, it's a great 
great resource to have if you want it. Now, one thing I really want to recommend if you are doing a journal is to avoid being too brief, right? If you're waiting too long, you know, between the entries and forgetting to review your patterns, basically, like, so what I mean by that is I, if you're just writing things down, write things down. You need to, I think, having a structured template of what the notes you want to take, maybe an app is going to help a lot with that. And then looking over and correlating the differences in your factors, right? So so your variables that, that you're getting from your growth. So whether that's in your environment, whether that's the size of your plant, whether that's the type of light you're using, the light intensity, how many times you're watering. And that's what I mean about avoid being too brief is you don't want to just say, I watered today. You want to say, hey, I watered this much today. I watered this nutrient today. I watered maybe a micro tea and I did this type of tea. So maybe even a year down the line, you can say, hey, this is what I was doing a year later. And you can see, wow, I've changed a lot in my growth. And that's from this last year of growing. That's the one thing I've seen from looking back at a notebook is there's so much stuff I remembered. There's so much stuff that I'm like, hey, I'm never going to do that again. Or that is the reason that worked. All right. But hey, let's get into number two. Number two is starting with some good genetics. Uh, I think you hear this all the time, um, but it's just the truth. I mean, uh, we talk about it all the time as well. Starting with good genetics is really going to start you out for a successful grow. Um, Most genetics out there on the market are polyhybrids, where you don't really know what you're going to get out of the bag. Some you know, most bag seeds are not going to be the strongest genetics because they are polyhybrids slash fem seeds that are not from a, what I would be confident in saying is a very purposeful genetic, right? This is herms that happen in a room and maybe it's a self-herm, maybe it's just a small mistake by the grower and they're just trying to sell it even if there are a couple of nanners that that they found on the plant. Now, breeders that I really, really recommend, Ethos is an amazing breeder out there. I've actually never grown his gear. These guys have never grown their gear, but I've just heard amazing things. Uh, the only person I've grown their gear is Ibean Poppin. I've done stuff from Dynasty. They're awesome. Green Thumb Genetics. They're awesome. Yeast Farms is awesome. And then people that I have not done, Jungle Boys, uh, Green Bodie, Canarado, most of those, I mean, most of those guys you can get from We're Gonna Elite Seeds. I've gone there for so many genetics, and they are a very, very reputable seed company. I've never had a problem. They will actually call you. The, the owner of the company will actually call you and talk to you, and you can actually ask questions about the different genetics. He knows breeders, you know, personally, and you know, just a very, very cool person. And, and you know, even if you're just spending a hundred dollars on a pack, he's still down to get to get a gall on you and and to make sure that everything goes smooth. So. Great little, great little shout out for them out there. So let's get on to the next one. Good genetics was number two. Number one was taking notes. Number three, we're going to talk about a clean environment. When we're talking about cleanliness in a grow, there are so many things that can grow on in your grow, not just what you're trying to grow, right? So there's, there's, you know, here's a story just, just for the people out there is I knew a cannabis grower who had you know a beautiful crop, and this was back in Colorado, and they really neglected to keep their grow environment clean. I mean, people have heard this story a thousand times over. Filters weren't cleaned, things like that. And at the end of their grow, they actually started to notice spots and mold, and soon the whole crop was ruined. I mean, we're talking day 59. They're going to pull at day 63, and they noticed that the whole room has been molded out. And I'm talking, this is a 25 light grower, and that's a pretty big loss to somebody like that. For for us, you know, tent growers, even a small tent though, we've really 
invested, I would say, three to four months just to that grow. So that's why it is so important to to clean and to just keep a, an SOP of how you are going to clean. And, and remember, like I said, like I said earlier, this goes back to the notepad thing. You can note how you're cleaning. Note what's going on. Note what's different. I mean, IPM spray does not just have to go on the plants and it can go on the walls and you can really clean everything off even when the plants are in there. So make sure you guys are cleaning stuff. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be the guy to say don't clean, especially as one of the main tips that I have for a beginner out there, because it's really if you most beginners, especially me when I was a beginner, I was really going for just the quality. I had no care for quantity and I still don't care that much about quantity. I just kind of think it's a kind of cool number that I think, you know, there's a you compete with yourself in terms of yield, but I definitely think that there's a plateau. And once you plateau, if you go over that plateau, I don't think there's really a quality gain in what you're what you're trying to do. So always, guys, when you're using, when you're in your grow, one thing I really recommend is to use different clothing to actually take a shower when you go in your grow. That's a good way to keep everything clean and to sterilize your equipment before you use it. What I, I do not mean sterilize everything, your pots, all this type of stuff. I mean, when you're cutting clones, guys, the amount of people I see just using scissors over and over and over, it's like, guys, have a little thing of ISO, rub that off, get that rubbed off. You know, at least, I think it's at least three to four seconds with ISO will kill most things on that thing. So uh, on the the knives, that's one thing that I'm definitely going to recommend. And remember, a clean grow environment is a healthy grow environment, leading to higher yields and better quality buds. All right, guys. So saying that, like, it is, it is what it is, but... If you guys have any disagreement with that, I mean, you can comment, but even outdoor and nature, when you have a very, very healthy, lush area, it's pretty freaking clean. There's not a lot of mold because everything's healthy. And if there is mold, it's down on the weeds. There's been tests to prove that, that if you have a very healthy producer crops per se, then the weeds will get, you know, demolished by pests and diseases and stuff because they can't keep up with the bigger plants. Let's go on to number four. Number four is going to be, I think people overlook this, but also it is now, I think, very overhyped. I don't think it's as important as people say. However, it's something you should definitely look into and learn more about. And that is VPD. We actually have, THG Tutors does have a podcast. One of our first podcasts was all about VPD. We dove really, really deep. So I would love for you guys to go check that out. I think if you just type in THG Tutors VPD, it should pop right up. But what is VPD, right? To shorten it up, guys, VPD stands for vapor pressure deficit, and it's basically how much it, uh, moisture is in the air versus how much moisture the air can hold. So if I think about that, it's kind of like you're drowning your plant if you're at 100% humidity. If you're at 0% humidity, you're drying out your plant, right? Easy enough. Now, maintaining proper VPD levels, I think that growth and CO2, I mean, redectase and all that type of stuff, if you actually look into the science, improved heat will always improve the growth. I mean, up into the 90s, you know, up into the 90, 95, and you're going to see improved growth even up there if you can just keep the CO2 up there and keep the humidity at the right point, which kind of ties into the VPD as well because, you know, you want your plant to be able to breathe, especially when you're you're really trying to go in an efficient area. If you notice that your VPD is off, there are a few things you can do to adjust it. If the temperature is too high, consider adding more ventilation or investing in like an air conditioner or more than that, I really recommend just keeping an area the same temp and then 
making sure that you're not pushing your hot air into the same room that it comes out. So either pushing it outside through a pipe or a ventilation system, something like that, or just pushing it into a different room where it can cycle through a couple different rooms before it gets back to your, your tent and you're not just cycling the same air over and over and over, if that makes any sense. Now, if your humidity is too low, you can add a humidifier. And I, that's one thing I recommend is, is I rather have lower humidity than higher humidity or live in a place like that because humidifiers are a lot cheaper than dehumidifiers in electricity and on just on their own when you're grabbing one. Now, again, the flip side of that would be if, if you should invest in a dehue if your humidity is really high. That's what I have to do right now. And, you know, the power, the power consumption is pretty high on dehumidifiers. Another thing I recommend is to go for a higher humidity, which thus going for a higher temperature, that's going to not need, a, you, you could push higher humidities in that type of zone. So it's basically like I say, situational VPD is so, so, so situational. There are people that have a 68 degree and uh, room that's never going to be anything different. And that, that makes it easy for them to grow at 75 degrees because they know that they can have a, a 68 degree room to kind of uh, be their lung room, right? So that, that's the simplest way I think I can hear it. Again, guys, go check out the THC Tutors VPD podcast if you have anything more interested in VPD. I think it's something important and I think it's overlooked, but also overhyped. So understand it, but don't overuse it. Number five, and I really, this is something that improved my personal grow. And that's why I'm really putting it in here is, is using a trellis or a scrog method, right? Like the scrog kind of inter, interweaving that stuff. But I, I just like the idea of something that can hold up my plants when I chop them down, uh, being able to go from branch to branch, all that different type of stuff. People, uh, you know, people have a, the exact opposite opinions about scrogs for that exact reason that they think when they harvest, uh, you know, you're going to get this tiny little hairs on your buds, this little plastic crap, and and you're going to get all this, you know, it's really hard and you're going to bend up buds and touch them with the trellis and blah, 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 blah. Like, guys, if you have, again, if you maintain proper SOPs and know what you're doing, there's ways around this stuff. Like, you don't have to be, you don't have to just be trying to pull your stuff out as fast as you can. Some of us like to take time because we like quality, right? So the reasons you should be using a scrog is because for me, it has greatly increased my yield, has greatly increased my success, and it has greatly uh, gotten rid of my headache, right? Like I used to be somebody that even in five gallons, my plants were so big that they would be falling over. It's like, dude, we can't have that happening. And that is so unsanitary. I, I don't want to smoke something that's been on the ground. And especially this is when I wasn't cleaning you know, back to number, what was it? Number three, right? You got to be cleaning guys. Got to be cleaning. Like, and, and now, you know, you got buds on the ground, all types of stuff. But if I had a net up there, I had a net, it wouldn't have fallen. Or you can just have a, another support system. Again, yo-yos work really well for this exact reason, but I think scrogs are a lot cheaper. $15 can get you 20 to five feet of scrog. And for a four by two tent, I mean, that's going to last you. You can do a triple scrog for four or five grows before you need a new one. It's, it's pretty crazy. And you can also reuse them if you're down. If they don't get all dirty or whatnot, you can put them through some ISO, clean them off, you know, with that ISO, just make sure that it's uh, as close to sterile as you can get it. Now, I know this next one is going to be very, very, it's going to get some people out there a little bit maybe upset, but I, I really think that this is something that improved my personal grow. I'm actually sending some out as a tester for a friend because he wanted to try it out. I'm like, hey, it's a very expensive product. Before you buy it, here, just, you know, test it. 
So, and that is silica supplements. Most silica supplements are pretty expensive other than what, like Agsil, right? Something like that. That's derived from Agsil. So silica supplements, very, very, you know, simply put, they're just going to strengthen the plant cell and improve the resistance to pest disease and environmental stresses. Now for an indoor grower, especially in a tent, that's something that we want every day of the week. We cannot maintain a perfect environment all the time. We know that we can't maintain all that stuff. All these guys that are running, you know, I've, I've used Athena a few times, but it's really hard to use Athena without silica or microbes or something that I know, Hey, the environment goes freaking crazy. I know my plants are going to be okay. Athena is, is kind of like you're, you're basically feeding, you know, most salt lines are this way where you're basically feeding your plant and your plant's going to uptake it because it just wants to uptake it. You're going to give a, your plant a really good environment, but the moment that you switch that environment up, your the plant's going to show a huge stress to that. You know, think if you kept a baby in a bubble, right? And the baby was in a bubble and then you finally let it out of the bubble. It's probably going to get sick. That's the same thing that's happening with this type of stuff. Now, my most recommended silica supplement is actually not like a, you know, what PowerSci and all those ones. Like, I think they're pretty overpriced, pretty expensive. Great products, nevertheless, uh, not not sponsored anything by the show. But Wolastonite, you can go buy Wolastonite online on Amazon. And if you just look up Wolastonite, it is calcium silicate. It's basically PowerSci granular. It's going to break down pretty quickly. It's going to give you plant available silicate and plant available calcium, which cannabis medicinal plants are very, very hungry for calcium. So it's going to give you both of those things. Most rooting supplements are just calcium. Most, you know, most bacterial supplements will come with calcium just because, you know, whether that's gypsum or something like that, just so that you can have you can have an instant boost of instant gratification as a grower so that you continue to buy the product. It's just simple marketing, right? So number seven, just get down to that. So number six was silica. Silica supplements are really good. And and oh, the other thing about silica supplements is I really, really do not recommend using hydrosilica supplements. I think that they will, if you have a res that you're leaving there and you're grabbing a gallon a day to, to hand feed, like then put the silicon after. Even if, you know, people are going to say, oh, like that stuff's not going to be plant available, blah, blah. There's going to be a percentage of a plant available at least. Whereas if you just leave it in that jug, your pH is going to fluctuate. The silica is going to be trying to bond with everything. Like y'all don't understand. It's just as bad doing it either way. So again, and this is actually, this goes into something real quick. The, for cleanliness, hypochlorous acid, guys, you're going, if you have a huge res, you can't just add hypochlorous acid once. You know, if it says five mils and you have a five day res and it's five mils per gallon, what I would recommend because most hypochlorous acid goes away or, or what is it called? It kind of the hydrogen just just goes into the air within 24 hours, 24 to 48 hours. So I would say every day do one mil of hypochlorous acid, a, uh, you know, per gallon a day for that five mils instead. So that's that's what I would kind of recommend. Now, number seven, though, sorry, sorry to cut that one, you know, it's pretty, pretty long right there. But number seven is going to be using a digital microscope or a magnifying glass. The reason I put this one on here is because for all those people ripening and people that are getting in the, you know, they're in the outdoor and stuff like that, like, it's always nice to see closely on your plant, have the ability to just look at something really close on your plant. 
even the ability to kind of look further into the back of your your canopy you know the the microscope the digital microscopes with sticks on them are really nice for this you can you can look into things like that if you're interested now i want to reemphasize data recording though because one of the main reasons i've used my microscope is actually to take pictures of little bud sites or to look at them uh, over time to see what is going to be a better hasher first of all like what pheno hunt when i do pheno hunts what's going to be a better hasher and when to pull them right uh, i personally have liked like for a while a couple of years ago i started i really really liked just straight cloudy i heard that that was you know peak thc so I was like fuck it i'm pulling it whereas now of course i'm getting down to that kind of more amber kind of thing right so it's much i would say it's much more long drawn now and i've learned a couple of my strains from back then that that have drawn into what i'm doing now with the the new strains that i have but yeah i hope you guys have stick, stuck around so uh, you know i think i offered some value to the people that did wait around um, if i did you know leave me a comment down below i'm just taking the solo thing this week we got giacomo's out of town you know doing some adult things that he's got to do and i got some huge things coming up in the next two weeks so definitely guys stay tuned for that i really really can't wait but other than that i want you guys to follow thc tutors and i'm going to conclude everything by going through these one more time just to really really re-emphasize these in your guys's head number one if you guys remember it was keeping a journal record your data record your data record your data all right Number two is starting with good, high-quality genetics. Remember, guys, if you get started with a bag seed and it was fire, just think about what you could do with something that was is a true bread line. All right, just think about that. Next, number three was keeping things clean. Everybody has a different definition of clean. Just make sure that you're cleaning things. I mean, breaking down your whole tent, wiping it down. IPMing your walls. If there's dust somewhere, guys, just get rid of it. That's disgusting. What if that was on your buds and you were smoking that? Just keep, keep that in mind. Number four was doing VPD. I think it's overlooked and overhyped. So do what you want with VPD, but definitely I think every grower, every good grower that I know understands VPD. Some of them do think it's overhyped though in the community right now. Number five is using the trellis or some other sort of training. Maybe that's yo-yoing or something like that. Like definitely a recommendation if you're just starting out, you know, it's going to make it a lot easier for you to just kind of walk away and not worry about your plant falling down. Number six was to use the silica supplements for, you know, and this, this goes again with microbes as well, like using microbes, like guys, you just, it's going to improve a lot of resistance to other things and we're not all just running a bunch of hypochlorous acid all the time, right? So we definitely want to get something to really, really make our plants resilient and nice and strong for when they're putting on buds. And for when they're putting on buds, we need healthy stocks on those buds. So silica is also going to help with that a lot. Now, number seven, last but not least, is was to just use a digital microscope for, you know, guys, just record your data, take pictures, do what you need to do. Like, I don't got to keep preaching it. I think you guys know exactly how to take action in your garden. So without further ado, guys, it's been Noah. Thank you for joining me at THG Tutors. Follow us on Instagram and we'll see you most likely either next weekend or maybe I got something midweek that's planned. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. Have a great day, guys. Peace.